Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this Meet the Expert episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton interviews Edith Andrek Harvey, Managing Partner of NextBridge Consulting, LLC. Based on her Harvard Business Review online article, Five Ways to Help Your Team Be Open to Change, Edith will discuss five daily practices you can put in place to inspire, enable, and accelerate a culture of change makers. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast. Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast. Today we're featuring Edith on Derek Harvey of Nextbridge Consulting, and she is going to be talking to us about five ways to help your team be open to change. Let me tell you a little bit about Edith. Like you, leadership and change expert Edith on Derek Harvey knows that leading in today's world is more challenging than ever. Constant change, escalating demands, increasing complexity. What does it take to be a great leader today? What will it take in the future? How do you create a change agile organization? Edith began helping companies manage and lead change in 1990 before most people ever thought about it. As a speaker to audiences across the globe, Edith shares with them that the more complex and rapidly changing the world is, the more leadership happens on a personal level. Leading means getting real, fully engaging and leading in the moment, not spending more time, just spending it more wisely. Edith has received rave reviews for bringing a unique unique mix of strategic insights and a practical results-focused approach to her speaking, consulting, and facilitation work. She motivates people to lean into the change, not only to advance their company's business strategy, but for the personal and professional benefits as well. She is author of two Harvard Business Review articles, Five Behaviors of Leaders Who Embrace Change, and Five Ways to Help Your Team Be Open to Change. She is author of the Marshall Goldsmith endorsed book, Getting Real, Strategies for Leadership in Today's Innovation, uh, Innovation, Hungry, Time-Strapped, Multitasking World of Work. Edith contributes to Forbes regularly. In addition, her insights have been featured in Fast Company, The New York Times, CNN.com, HR Executive, Yahoo Finance, CLO Media, and other media outlets. She has also published research on what leaders need to be successful in today's rapidly changing business environment. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Edith to the podcast. Hi, Teresa. So good to be with you again. Yes, it's so great to be with you too. Um, really excited to learn uh, ways to involve the team to be open to change. And um, one of the things that you know I'm I'm most interested in is actually how you get the concept concept of team back into the change methodology. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It kind of disappeared like 15 years ago. I don't know where it went. Yeah. Um, so you know. Why don't we why don't we jump in? I mean, one of the things we talked about before is, you know, you believe we need to approach change differently than we have in the past. And why is that? Um, you know, I think that it's it's for a, a couple of reasons. You know, one is definitely what you mentioned in the intro that just change in the world today is is really different. It's sort of constant 
Uh, there's lots of different changes going on at any given time. And where in the past we've sort of talked about, you know, managing change and, and organizations have in, in many ways been reactive to change. They really have to turn the, the ideas around and become more proactive around it and really building it into the way they do business, that mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, something that is not something that gets in the way of the work you actually have to do, um, but is part of the work that you actually have to do. And so I think it, it, you know, causes us to think about how do we really adjust differently. And I think the other thing too, is that in the past, oftentimes people have felt like change is being done to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some announcement comes from somewhere in the organization, usually senior leadership level, and, you know, this change is going to happen, and here's the project, and here's the timeline, and and boom, there you go. And I think people sometimes don't feel like um, they've been made part of it, that mm. it's, been, it's been really sort of foist upon them, mm-hmm. um, and that oftentimes now there's multiple changes going on, and so they're not just feeling like one is sort of coming down the pike at them, but there's multiple ones, and I think sometimes they wonder, you know, are the different change initiatives even speaking to each other um, mm-hmm. and coordinating their efforts, you know, sort of that, are they actually realizing how much this is impacting me because we're all focused on the what's in it for me, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's uh, you know, something that they really feel and, uh, you know, maybe it's not always paid attention to as much as it could be. You know, it's interesting because as you were, as you were talking about that, um, kind of two ideas were coming to mind. One is that um, what you mentioned about needing to integrate change into the work of everyday people, right? Mm -hmm. So that involves, you know, the mindset, the heart set, the handset, whatever you want to, analogy you want to use or metaphor you want to use. Um, But then the other thing that I think is missing is the concept of personal transition. And so Mm -hmm. as you were talking about all those projects, not talking to each other and, you know, being in a portfolio and maybe six of them hit one person's role and they all take 10% of the change. Now the person doesn't have the same job anymore. (laughs) But what's happening, I think also is that they're really now taxed, you know, six more times in terms of the where they are on, you know, like the Bill Bridges um, transition process. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a it's a terrific point, you know, that I, I oftentimes when I speak or when I'm doing workshops, I'll I'll kind of take the, you know, the traditional change curve graphic and I'll overlay uh-huh. multiple ones on um, each one um, for that very reason that people are going to be in the midst of change at different places on that transition point, you know, all at the same time, as you said, their jobs, you know, sometimes are, are by the time it's all done completely changed Mm -hmm. and you know they're really thinking about you know when we think about it you know people identify with the work that they do and you Mm -hmm. know if I'm being if if everything's being changed around me you're going through the transitions but then you're also sort of struggling with well you know what does this mean for who I am in the context of my work and what do I do and how is my career going to move forward? And, and, you know, those things that I was planning on, well, now it's all different. And, and what am I going to do with that? So mm-hmm. I think it's very real, you know, this idea of personal transition too. And, you know, I think that's where individual leaders really play such an important role. Um, you know, that it's not just helping people understand, here's the change, here's what's going to be happening, here's how it's going to be rolling out, all those important things, but also understanding, you know, the human aspect, the human impact of it on an, individual or on a team, you know, as people think about 
again, where are they in the transition? You know, how many different things are hitting them all at once? You know, when do they need facts and figures and when do they need to be heard from an emotional perspective and, and when do they need the cheerleading and when do they need the tough love and, you know, all the things in between. Right. And I find it, I find it kind of ironic that, you know, in change management, we're always talking about helping people, helping companies with their people adoption. You know, what else can they take on? What else can they take on when really with all these transitions, we should be asking them, how do we help them let go? Yes. Yeah. That's such a great point, you know, because I think people don't have that sense of when, of what they can let go of. And that's, you know, I think why sometimes it all feels so overwhelming. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I've got, these eight things on my plate already. And now you're telling me to add these four things over here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have enough time in the day. And how am I going to do all this? And we forget to just what you said, have that conversation about. So this is what's, you know, going to be additive, or this is what's going to be modified. What gets to fall off the plate? You know, right. what gets to be left behind? And that can be actually physically left behind. You know, you used to do these set of tasks. Now we're doing those set of tasks. Mm-hmm. And so those can go away. It can be that emotional sense of what mm-hmm. gets left behind in terms of, you know, just dealing with, with you know, what used to be and that move towards what's going forward. It can be that mental, you know, what's left mm-hmm. behind too. You were talking about attitude or ways of thinking or, mm-hmm. you know, mind share or any of that kind of thing you know, thinking about what gets left behind and what needs to move forward. Yeah. So when you um, are thinking about, you know, five ways to help your team be open to change, um, what do you think gets in the way of teams being open to change, given all these dynamics that we're talking about? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things and we've touched on some of them already. I think one is, um, you know, this, this sense that change is done to me, you know, mm-hmm. how much say do I actually have and how this happens, when it happens, has anybody really thought about what the impact is, some of those kinds of things that go on. I think also, you know, and, and whether it's human nature, whether it's the way we've been socialized, we're kind of, um, uh, you, you know, we tend to gravitate towards predictability. Mm. You know, I go to work today and I kind of know what I'm going to be faced with. And again, and there's some people who will tell you no two days are exactly the same. So. <laughs> you know, right. I actually don't know what I'm going to be faced with. But, you know, we, we you know, kind of run on these cycles and, and, you know, see things as kind of predictable and have these cadences that are built in whether we know it or not. And when change happens, those cadences get disrupted and go away. Mm-hmm. You know, they either go away, they change, they speed up, they slow down, wherever it might be. And so people, you know, kind of, uh, you know, have a, have a reaction to that. Um, mm. I also think that sometimes, you know, we're spending so much time on the, the, the facts, the figures, the timelines, the, the project, that kind of thing, which are all critically important to making the change happen, that sometimes we forget to make space for the emotional sides of it. Um, and I think leaders lots of times feel uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've had many leaders tell me, well, you know, it's my job to be a manager or to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I'm not asking you to be a therapist, but you, you know, this is sort of a human interaction and human relationship that you've got here with the people that you're working with. And so it's not just, you know, leave the, the emotional stuff at the door. You know, people <laughs> are bringing their whole selves to, to work. And so you're going to have to deal with that. Have you heard of coaching manager? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's talk about your role as a coach and your role in bringing people along and your role in making space for people. Definitely. 
Right. So when you talk about team, are you talking about project teams? Are you talking about leadership teams? Um, you know, but, I think it's all of the above. Okay. Um, you know, because you're going to have, uh, you know, anytime you've got a team, you've got a different kind of dynamic going on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you need people to really connect with each other, mm -hmm. as well as connecting with the change. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that uh, you know, some of the things that, that I think about and, and talk about, you know, are applicable to the two teams and lots of different permutations. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things I'm wondering is, you know, how do you actually interweave the team dynamic and the team development um, around being, you know, in, in a changing environment? Um, yeah. So, you know, you're introducing all these changes to the team and they're going to play some role in that. Um, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily a change management team, but it, maybe it's a cross-functional team. And, yeah. But they have to work with this, each other over some period of time. And yeah. I'm finding that we don't take the time to actually develop the team that's doing the work anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just not a practice mm -hmm. of the 2000s of this millennium. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, because, you know, I, what I've always made um, – formal launches of the team, a part mm -hmm. of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you've probably had the same experience where, you know, we kind of get done with the launch and people will be like, wow, that was really great. You know, I wish I did this on <laughs> other teams that I'm a part of. I've never yep. been part of an actual launch. And, it, you know, it is important to be talking about and thinking about you know, those, those expectations of the team and helping them, you know, think about what you're going to go through as a team, how you're going to experience yourselves as a team. What does it mean for us to be a team? You know, those initial things of role clarity and mission clarity and, you know, those kinds of things. And also I think, you know, working with the team leaders, again, whether it be mm -hmm. a cross-functional team, whether it be a change management project team, whether it be any kind of team, to really understand how teams develop. Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of expect them that they, you know, go from walking in the door to being, you know, really high performing all in, you know, one fell swoop. Right. Forgetting about those middle pieces where, you know, if you go by the, by the old, you know, the Tuckman model, it's been around for forever of, you know, forming, storming, norming, performing, right. that that storming's going to happen. And, uh, it doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean the team's never going to go anywhere, but it's recognizing it, thinking about what that means, thinking about your role as a leader and the team's role as a team to really be thinking about how do you get through that? You know, how do you have those sometimes difficult conversations? How do you have productive conflict happen? How do you help everybody get to the place where they need to get to so that the team's going from being a number of me to a we? Right. Right. And, you know, and to that point, you know, the next thing that comes to my mind is then how do you carry that sense of we and the team dynamic and development through the project? So it's yeah. almost like a foundational uh, sub project, right? And mm -hmm. the, the real change is kind of going through at, you know, 80% of it. Um, yeah. But you know, 20%, 10% of that time needs to be allocated towards this team. It's not just about launch, right? It's yeah. like, how do you bring that back? Where's that vision yeah. and that mission? How are you doing right now? 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it's you know, it's it's building in these you know these these touch points that allow you to do that. One um, technique that I'll talk with people about, I call it a listening post, oh, where nice. you're able to yeah. So you know, listening posts back you know during wartime were that they like actually like were intercepting you know different messaging and things mm. like that, and able to kind of figure out what was going on. And so you know the the, the approach that I talk with people about is like taking a very intentional pause so making mm-hmm. this an actual you know well we're, this isn't we're going to tack five minutes onto a project team but you know project right. team meeting but this is going to be actually something that we do um and the way i, I talk with people about it is you know you st- started out with with what feels like a little bit of fun you know and mm-hmm. ask people to talk about what they're feeling and experiencing right then mm-hmm. um in terms of a metaphor or an analogy you know, mm-hmm. hey, I feel like the guy at the circus who's twirling the plates and trying to keep them all in the air at the same time, or, yep. you know, whatever your favorite analogy is. Um, and it does a couple of things. One, it gives people a safe way to talk about what they're experiencing, because mm-hmm. especially in work, you know, we're not used to saying, wow, you know, I feel really overwhelmed, you know, in mm-hmm. front of a whole group of people. And so it allows us to do that. And then after that, you know, talking about what's actually going on you know Mm. what are things that are working well right now what's not working well what do we have questions and concerns about how are things uh you know going right now and then using the final phase of you know the conversation to then do some problem solving and action planning so Mm -hmm. if you know if we've got things going on where um, you know, maybe people are feeling overwhelmed. Okay, mm-hmm. what can we do about that? You know, what, what, uh, you know, do we need to think differently about our time frames? Do we need to think differently about division of work? Have we had that experience where things have come on our plates, but we haven't taken anything off our plates? Right. You know, what are those things that are going on? And so it, it allows us to open up those conversations that are the two sides we have to have, which is, the emotional side of it, because we all know change is emotional, whether we're on the team that's doing it or whether we're actually being right. kind of impacted by it. Um, but to all, and then you don't know, be able to talk about the, you know, the, the tasks or the rational side of it and those kinds of things too, and marrying the two together and making it just sort of the regular part of the way you guys, you know, the, the way that you go about uh, being a team over mm. a period of time, because you're right, right? We talk about all these great things at launch you know, and then we get two months or three months or six months or nine months into it. And people are like, well, like, what the heck are we doing here anyways? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what is this all about? And of course, things change over that period of time. Right. So you need to revisit those things regularly, too. But, you know, if we haven't talked about it in six months, of course, it's going to fall off the people's radar. Right. Um, and so bringing that thing back. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And one of the one of the the, ish, the things that I think about a lot with this is, you know, what are some of the tactics that we can help mm-hmm. as, as a change practitioner? You know, what are some of the tactics we can use to help leaders create teams that are open to change? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a few things. I think one is encouraging leaders to be storytellers. Mm. We traditionally, again, whether it be change, whether it be just about anything else at work, you know, we're all sort of, or many of us are driven by the PowerPoint, the spreadsheet, the facts, the figures, the project timelines, you know, those kinds of things, the issues with the project. And that's what we talk about. Mm -hmm. And we talk about them in those terms. But, you know, it's story that is really where we, uh, you know, connect with each other, the things that we remember, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so when you're able to tell stories about 
Um, again, you know, those things that are important. If, if you're talking about, you know, uh, that, that you, you want the team to be open, more open, more candid, more, more uh, you know, vulnerable with each other. Well, what's a story about that, you know, yeah. where that has worked, where you've seen it, where the outcome's been a good thing, you know, even if you can make it a personal experience, that's all the better. It doesn't have to be a personal experience, but, you know, those kinds of things, you know, the story of the people who have broken the status quo. So, you know, if you've got that team that's really reticent to step out, to take risks, to, you know, do those things that you need to do when you're talking about creating change, you know, what's the story of the risk taker in the organization where they didn't get their hands slapped, you know, right. where they actually made something go well, where they weren't punished for it, where, you know, something really important came out of it. And so some of that, you know, telling the stories is mm. really important um, because that's what people remember and that's where it becomes real for mm. people, um, you know, when they've got really tangible things to hold on to versus just talking about, you know, sort of in, in, you know, vague terms of, you know, well, we all have to be risk takers. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're saying that, but the organization is telling me something totally different, mm. you know, in the way that I'm measured, in the way I'm rewarded, in the way that I'm, in the, in the way that you, manager, talk to me. So, you know, let's, let's get on a different wavelength here about what does it actually mean to be a risk taker, right? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? How far can I step? You know, those kinds of things. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and the stories provide just a context that's sprinkled with the facts and touches a bit of emotion. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, they, if it can just hit, uh, provide that for people, as you said, not so that we're not just looking at all these documents um, mm -hmm. and try and because like, there's nothing worse than going into a meeting when someone comes in with, you know, a presentation that's longer than 20 minutes. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, it's like death yeah. by PowerPoint. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, yeah. as, as consultants, um, you know, it's so important for us to, to manage the energy in the room mm -hmm. and the story really helps with that. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. sometimes I find my clients have a hard time um, kind of understanding which story will be the best fit for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's a little bit of it, you know, is, is learning. It's, yep. you know, thinking about, oh, well, you know, I'm not used to telling story, but, you know, right. really being sort of intentional about it and thinking about, you know, what's the point that you want to make with the story? You know, mm. what's kind of the end thing that you want people to walk away with from the story, the one or two little tidbits mm -hmm. um, that is kind of your key message out of it. And then working, you know, kind of backwards engineering it to be thinking about, so like, you know, what story kind of fits that for, you know, our situation. And mm -hmm. like I said, sometimes it's a personal story of yours. Sometimes it's a, it's more of an analogy kind of story. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, a something that's, you know, kind of out in the public realm that people would know about, you know, oh, well, you know, we've all heard the, the Steve Jobs stories right. or the, you know, Bill Gates stories or the, you know, whoever else, the Richard Branson stories, you know, so it can be on a whole lot of different levels. Right. Um, but really starting with that, you know, that, that end in mind, what do you want people to walk away with? What do you want people to both understand and what do you want people to feel when right. they walk away from that story? Right. Yeah. So story is definitely a good, a good tactic for people. Do you have uh, thoughts about any other tactics that you would bring to leaders? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think another one is, um, you know, when you're thinking about helping people be, um, 
rethinking where we sort of started our conversation in terms of not just being on the receiving end of change, mm. but actually, you know, the change is part of my job and change is what I do. I mean, you could help facilitate that by asking, you know, the what I call the what if questions, mm -hmm. you know, or the innovator questions. Again, you know, if we look at our days, you know, if we look at our meetings, we spend a lot of time focused on, um, you know, reviewing the work that's getting done, sharing policy updates, um, you know, working on whatever the current issue is, you know, those kinds of things. And I'll hear from leaders, well, you know, my people aren't very, you know, they're not very good at kind of thinking outside the box or doing mm -hmm. innovative or new things. And then when we pull it back and are talking about, so how do you spend your time with them? You know, what are your conversations about? What are your conversations like? And it's always about those things that are in the present, those things that are urgent, mm. those things that have to get done right now. And so thinking about how do you build space? And again, it doesn't have to be an enormous amount of time. We're not talking about taking three hours out of the day right. here. But hey, can you take 10 or 15 minutes out of a meeting? You right. know, or in the course of a conversation when you're trying to solve a problem to bring in that, uh, you know, those innovator questions. Well, what if someone outside our industry was tackling this? How would they look at it? Mm. Well, what if we could start from scratch and had unlimited budget? What would we do? Mm. Well, what if we, um, you know, a, a new competitor was coming in the market? What might they do? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if this was, um, you know, if, if we were, a, you know, I don't know, a technology company instead of a healthcare company, what would we do? Mm -hmm. You know, those kinds of things that break people out of the thing, right? It causes them, it forces them to think about things differently. Right. You know, and then it also kind of sends the implicit message that, we don't have all the answers necessarily, you right. know, and so we have to think differently and we need all the voices in the room. You know, I think the other thing that we can do is, you know, as you're doing that, you know, don't fall into what can happen where you have two or three very vocal people in the room. Right. And they dominate the converse conversation, you know, not necessarily maliciously, but just right. because that's who they are. Um, and then you've got six or eight other people just kind of sitting, sitting back listening. Right. Um, you know, maybe wanting to contribute, but not knowing how to break into the conversation or maybe being a little bit reticent about contributing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, actively facilitating the conversation, you know, calling people into the conversation, uh, letting people know you're going to be having the conversation ahead of time, because some people need time to kind of think and formulate their thoughts. Um, and so doing that so that, again, people get used to this cadence of, this is part of what we do. This is part of what we do in our work. This is part of how we approach the things that we're doing is by having those conversations about change. And it's not this thing that it intrudes every once in a while. It's part of what we do and part of how we approach things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. And, you know, um, I come back to, you know, your article, five ways to help your team be open to change. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then this conversation about how you were talking about creating space or opening space, and it could only be 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, even in today's environment, that 10 or 15 minutes can be the bonding time that the virtual team needs. Yes. You yes. know, and so there's a way to have that conversation with more of a case for action uh -huh. um, than if you were just sitting in a conference room saying, well, let's just, you know, have this conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting because I think, you know, the current situation with people going virtual and, you know, just sort of, again, the, the changes that we all had to adapt to really quickly 
I've actually heard about leaders having more of these conversations. Mm. You know, I've talked with leaders um, as just sort of a natural outgrowth of sort of the crisis. It's like, yeah. well, you know, we have to figure out how to work on Microsoft Teams over the course of three days instead of three months. Um, yeah. So, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What if we try right. this? What if we try that? Right. Um, and it just, you know, so it's that sense of, how do you continue to create that and continue? Of course, nobody wants to be working at that kind of frenzied pace all the time. Right. But, you know, how do you keep that kind of, that kind of sense of, you know, let's tackle some big problems. Let's, you know, move some things forward. Let's really think about, you know, the things that have to, have to maybe change versus just, well, you know, it's kind of the way we've always done it. So we're just going to keep doing it, even though we all complain about it um, and, uh, and, and make some, some things different. Um, mm. So it is really interesting. I mean, I had one uh, leader, and I apologize if I talked about this in our in my last podcast, but you know, he's okay. done just just different creative things with people. You know, even beyond that, to kind of engage the team and help create that bond of, uh, you know, uh, interviewing people on his team and then sending out a little newsletter at the end of the week with, you know, things that fun things that he learned about the person, you know, or trivia Tuesday or you know different things like that. That's cool. Um, you know, that created that relationship. And he does little pulse surveys every once in a while with the team and to make sure everything's going okay. And they're like, hey, you know, when it ever it is that we actually all get back in the office, can we talk about how we keep this up? Because, you know, work feels really fun now. Um, and I'm wow. really enjoying this. He's, doing, <laughs> and, and, he's uh, doing change management for his team. Yeah, yeah, you know. And they're like, you know, I, I love learning about my team, you know, fellow team members. And, you know, it's so much fun that we have these little things that break up the day and, you know, those kinds of things. And so, it, you know, just broke them out of that norm enough that they're really That's approaching great. things differently and, and, you know, engaging uh, really strongly with work instead of just kind of plodding through the day. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah. a, I mean, that's a, that's a person that really gets organizational development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So um, we're almost out of time. And one of the things, you know, that I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, if you could really uh, summarize, you know, what we've talked about and, and leave us with, you know, one key learning that, you've experienced in opening up teams to change, what would that be? That's such a good question. Um, take a few yeah. seconds. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there's, you know, and it's one thing that we haven't really touched on yet, but I think it's really important because in all the things that we talked about, you know, we're asking a leader to take some risk, right? To do mm -hmm. some things differently, to change their own behavior trying to ask their team sometimes to change their behavior, to think differently, to be really, you know, and again, being open to this change. And along with that is going to come mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not going to be perfect the first time we do it. Uh, and so as a leader, you know, it's, it's for being gentle with yourself, you know, mm -hmm. forgiving yourself, knowing that you're not going to be perfect at it, you know, seeing if you can have a trusted other you know, someone that you can talk to and say, hey, you know, I did this and here's kind of how it went. So, you know, sort of their own own coach, be it just a colleague, a significant other, you know, if they have a, a, a paid coach, you know, someone to do that, um, you know, or even, you know, the team to be open to the team. And so, so you guys, you know, I've been trying out some new things. How's it been working? You know, mm -hmm. what's going well, what's not going well, please give me your feedback. Um, and then it goes the same for their team members. You know, as you're asking them to do things differently, as you're asking them to step out, 
you know, we all know that change, personal change, we were talking about personal transitions mm-hmm. before, you know, can be two steps forward, one step back. Right. And that, you know, when that happens, that it's that opportunity, that it's that learning opportunity to say, all right, let's talk about this. You know, what happened? What didn't go as we expected? How can we move forward from this? What do we need to do differently going forward? What have you learned from this? And really, you know, keeping ourselves from those reactions that sometimes are are true reactions versus responses. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the person comes in and tells us, and again, you're not going to be perfect at this, but you know, you you had a tough day, and you know, the heavy sigh and the eye roll comes out, and it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's not going to help. And the person's saying, oh, I'm going to admit mistakes to my boss. So you know, I think being being open to that, right, and understanding that that's part of part of how this happens and part mm. of how this works. And if you want people to risk, which is what change is all about, mm-hmm. then you've got to set up a way where mistakes don't feel punitive. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're going to end a career or miss a promotion or not get a good project next time or any of those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Really well said because it does come be- it comes down to risk. It really does at, mm-hmm. on all levels you know, whether you're uh, even to participate in a team, you yes, know, in absolutely. order to make the team work well, everyone has to take some risk They um, do to share. Yeah, they do. They have to be vulnerable. They have to be open. They have to be re- willing to say, hey, I don't think that this approach that we're taking maybe is the best way to do that. And let me tell you why. And mm-hmm. they have to be willing and open to have somebody else push back and say, well, here's why I do think that is the best way. Kind of have that open candor. But they also have to be willing to talk about, you know, uh, you know, when they're overwhelmed, if they need help with something, if they need clarification on something, if something's not making sense to them, all those things that are very vulnerable things for us to do. Right. Um, and, you know, so you have to be met with, um, you know, the same kind of openness and candor and support. You take a step into that uh, realm. Right. And, you know, that's the same as when you're saying, oh, everything's great. You know, things are going well. We're all marching in the same direction. Um, so it has to be that same kind of response. I agree. I agree. And so thank you so much. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Absolutely. So um, I have uh, you as people heard from the beginning, I have sort of a complicated last name. So the easiest way to do it is to say info at nextbridgeconsulting.com. I get all the info emails so they can come right to me. You don't have to worry about my name. Um, Or if you want to go ahead out on our website, there's a contact form out there as well. um, And you can just fill in your information and we'll get right back to you. That sounds great. Well, thank you again for your time, Edith. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, Tracy. You too. We hope you've enjoyed this Meet the Expert episode of the Change Management Review podcast with Teresa Moulton, Editor-in-Chief of the Change Management Review, and Edith Andre Carvey. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.